step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Geekish Cast, episode 90. To boldly go beyond. Don, Jeremy, and Chris talk about Star Trek Beyond. <laughs> Welcome back to Geek's Cast. I'm your host, Jeremy, and today I'm joined by Chris from Return to Camp Blood. How are you doing there, Chris? Hey, how's it going, sir? Doing well. And also, writer, director, editor, Don Adams. How are you doing, Don? Hey, man, I'm doing good. So, guys, uh, new Star Trek movie this week. Ugh. Yeah, and apparently I'm in the minority out of the three of us. Yes. So, <laughs> let me get let me get a real quick uh, read from you guys. Don, uh, what didn't you like about it? Well, I guess one thing I was thinking we should say first is what we thought of the other two so that we know where we're coming from. Oh, yeah, you know what? That's not a bad idea. Let's go ahead and go with that. Because I uh, I really liked the first one. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second one pissed me off to no end, and then uh, this one just depressed the hell out of me. Okay, and and why is that? Well, should I launch into it, or do you do you two want to say what you thought of the first two? Well, let's go ahead. Okay. It, it sounds like you got a little screed ready, so let's go ahead and go with uh, Chris. What did you think about the first two movies and then the third, just um, quickly? Just to echo, um, just to echo uh, Don here, um, the first one, I thought that the way that J.J. Um, Abrams handled it was brilliant. I loved it. It was it was the perfect fucking movie. It was the perfect storyline to reboot the the fran the you know the original franchise. Mm-hmm. Um, the second one, I felt like, okay, this is not terrible, but con seriously, bro. And then this one, it was just like he went too. I don't, I don't know. It, it almost felt like he went too outside of the scope of what we're used to in Star Trek. Okay. Um, now, me, I liked the first movie, but I found that it was, a, in a, many ways, a rehash of Journey to Babel and an episode of the animated series. I got sick to death of watching Kirk slide off of something and hang by his fingers. Uh, the second one, um, well, I liked Cumberbatch as Khan. I did not like Khan in that movie. I didn't like a lot of things in that movie. And I felt they got Carol Marcus completely wrong. Uh, the third movie, I felt like it was a a um, a pretty solid Star Trek like story made for the big screen. Okay, so I <laughs> here's the issue that I've had with this whole um, rebooted franchise. And again, I understood the need to do the first one like they did it. And I thought mm-hmm. that it was it was perfectly reasonable to do it that way, because you know, 
once you start, uh, you know, bringing in time travel and 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 Spock going back in time, uh, and then the the um, oh, what was that guy? Was he a Vulcan? No, he wasn't a Vulcan. He was like a I don't Romulan. remember what a, the Romulan, yeah. Okay, that Nero. that that's what I was gonna say. Yeah, next. Um, so I thought all the time travel was perfect. That that disrupted the original um, timeline, so that way uh, future movies could w- go anywhere. And I was I was totally stoked about that. Happy with the way that that was done. My my problem with with J.J. Abrams uh, doing the Star Trek movies is that I th- I feel like he sort of approached a Star Wars movie, um, mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm I might get some hate uh, from what I'm about to say next, but just know that I'm not I'm not talking shit about Star Wars. I like Star Wars too, but. Um, Star Wars has always or traditionally been more of an action movie, you know, more more about the action going on in the movie than um, necessarily like uh, story slash character arcs. Um, sure. For, for me, for me anyway. Star Trek, on the other hand, going especially going back to the original series, has always been about the character um, arcs and the way that they deal with moral and ethical dilemmas that they put into. Um, you see a little bit of that shining through, um, especially in the second of uh, Adam's film and, and the darkest with the domestic and all that shit. But um, the, these new Star Trek movies are too action movie. You know, they're too, a- they're too action oriented. Now, granted, the movies look phenomenal. The the effects look fucking great. They they're beautiful. <laughs> I don't want to take away from any of that, but they're t- they're too oriented towards the action movie genre. Um, when historically Star Trek has not been that. Um, I'm I'm gonna actually Don. Do you want to say anything before I try to rebut what Chris just said there? Yeah, I mean, I think I ag- I agree with most of that. Um. I think uh, I just want to add that I, it always sort of really offended me that J.J. Uh, Abrams does whatever he wants with Star Trek, but when he makes a Star Wars, it's like to the frame a recreation of the Star of the Star Wars movies, um, <laughs> and that, that drives me nuts. But it, the main reason it drives me nuts, we all like Star Wars and Star Trek, is Star Trek is my favorite thing that anyone has ever done on this planet. You know, mm-hmm. um, so. So I have more invested in it than in, in Star Wars, which is a lot of fun. But I just, but uh, but yes, proceed to debate. Well, and and this is this is something I hear all the time from people that Star Trek is not an action series. Um, I've actually got about sixty episodes of the original series that will argue that line against that argument. No, that no, no, show, no, no, no. Hold hey, on, hey. hold on, Chris. Hold on, <laughs> hold on, hold on. <laughs> That a whole original series basically came down to if Kirk couldn't talk a computer to death, he'd either try to fuck it, shoot it, or punch it. And that was the whole story. Um, and it was a very much a 60s show. The, the arcs, I mean, the characters were well concreted in their place. They did not have character arcs. They did not have growth. Those characters did not grow or change until the movie series came about in the late 70s, early 80s. That's where your character arcs hit. Well, that, that's fair. Um but I still maintain 
that throughout the original series, the the moral, the moral and ethical, um, even even if they weren't even if they weren't in your face, they still underlied the whole uh, the whole series, and that's something that Roddenberry meant to do. And they were um, very often and, in your face. <laughs> very often, yes. Well, I mean, you're you're correct in that the moral some, and ethical dilemmas. Some were some of the. Important. Some of the some of the the, the the subjects he tried to tackle were you know he flew them a bit under the radar using you know alien races as uh, analogs to African Americans and 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 stuff like that. Um, where you know I, I don't even know how I don't even know how to say this, <laughs> but um, I just feel like shit like that is missing from the the new the new Star Trek. Uh, films that have come out i I feel like they they try to touch on it a little bit i mean i i guess just to keep the thinking people happy um but generally these these movies are they're just action movies set in the star trek world and that's what i don't like about them okay um and yeah i guess into darkness tried to handle the the police state or the militarized democracy a little bit um, one thing I do want to touch on real quick is you were talking about how they often have a progressive message or uh, viewpoint they tried to bring in the original series. Star Trek, just now, in the year of 2016, 50 years after the series was launched, just had its first gay main character introduced. Yes, yes, and I, I fucking love that they did that. Um, because it, 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 it wasn't as, you know, it, it wasn't so in your face that, you know, um, right-wing wackos are going to fucking... And I apologize to any right-wing people here that might be listening. If this is not you, I'm not talking about you. <laughs> <laughs> um, they they did it so subtly that it shouldn't piss anybody off, but I thought it was a great homage to George Takei, um, who, as we all know, played the original Sulu. Right. You know what? Um, one thing that freaked ahead. me out about it, though, is um, was wouldn't they have cured gayness by the 23rd century? Now that's a joke. Caused <laughs> trouble. I, I I don't think you ganged it long enough um, before you said it was a joke. Yeah, because somebody <laughs> would come over and burn my house down. You know, you just, I, I would have let that one hang for a minute. Yeah. <laughs> oh shit, that was really funny. Now. Did anybody else think it was almost a little lazy to make it Sulu as the first gay character, or did you find it to be an homage? Don, I'm going to go with you since uh, you I, haven't said anything about I, it. I, it's weird. I found it to be one, but I know George Sakai certainly did. Um, right. The thing is, and I have no problem with, like, I'm, you know, it's, yes, I, it's cool. I think there should be a gay character in Star Trek, and um, but I just wish it was in, like, a, a, a really cool movie. Like I wish they worked on the presentation of that idea and every other idea, uh, mm-hmm. the way that, uh, you know, like we're saying, I mean, Kirk rides around on a motorcycle, you know, like there's, there's not in that movie. There is not one idea except for action and escape ideas. And the, the thing, the mousetrap stuff. And the thing about that is as an action movie, it's not even a very good action movie compared to, you know, <laughs> The, the Mar- many of the Marvel movies and the set pieces in them. That city's fantastic, but they sort of fly. And why is Bones flying a? Why is Bones piloting a ship? That, that drives me nuts. That was the only thing that struck me out of character. I personally, um, I like all all of the cast pretty much for this new series. I think yes. Carl Urban, I think, is outstanding as Bones. 
I do like and everyone. I do like everyone except increasingly. I think that the Spock does not know how Spock behaves. No, That's, but 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 you know, not to cut you off, and I'm I'm sorry that I keep doing this, but um, since the whole timeline was changed, that gives him room to uh, act differently, and I don't mind it at all. I don't mind acting differently at all. Um, what I do mind is that he, suddenly Vulcans are. Their emotions are always right under the surface, and Spock is always ready to snap. But he's half well, that's, human. That's well, yeah, I mean. and I'm 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 literally just talking about the performance, which I think that he just doesn't internalize Spock. Of course, it's the hardest role to recast. Yes. Oh, um, okay. See, I shouldn't have cut you off. I should have yeah, let you that, keep talking. I agree with that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. But no, feel free to cut you, us off because otherwise, it's just like you're talking to we're talking to ourselves, you know. Exactly. Well, this yeah, is a conversation. Yeah, and 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 th- to me, that came that his acting as Spock um, came the what you were saying came through a lot in this in this particular movie for some reason for me. Um, he seemed more, I, I don't want to say robotic, but I don't, I don't even know what the word is. But he, it seemed like he was trying too hard for, on this film in particular. Um, uh, to be, it seemed like he was trying to be a little bit more Vulcan than normal because he didn't he didn't really flip shit on anybody on this one really. Right, and I actually think <laughs> that works for this because if he was considering going to new Vulcan and making little Vulcans, um, he might have been preparing for it. What, what do they call that, Don? When uh, the the training Spock went into in the uh, the motion picture Colinar? Yes. Yeah, he might have been preparing for something like that where he was delving into the complete wholesale removal of his emotions at that point. Can I... So, uh, I yeah. That's a fair point, I guess. Can I well, Can I bring up the first thing that really pissed me off in this movie? Absolutely. The reason I was looking forward to it, I wasn't even going to go, but then we had to do this podcast. <laughs> and I had to go. <laughs> and it's going to be being grumpy. Um, but then, once I got closer to it, I was really jazzed about the idea of, like, oh, the five-year mission's going to start. And it's a new director. I didn't exactly realize that who that director was until I got there, and that his pedigree is those car movies and season two of True Detective. So, so but I was so excited about the five-year mission starting, and then two minutes in the movie, it's like, we're three years in the five-year mission, and things feel very episodic to me. And I'm like, well, I want to see some of those fucking episodes. And see, I actually love that they worked that into the dialogue because then you can kind of go and in your head. You can kind of pick and choose episodes of the TV show did, that are. No, I did like that. that line. I like that was very yeah. clever. The episodic use of the word episodic, but um, you know, it's just like I want to see a mission. I want them to go to a planet, and there's somebody, some culture with a problem that they have to deal with, you know. But and it, but it turns out for the like the we're literally the third time plus about 19 other movies in the last 10 years, it's just this sort of monster guy looking for some glowing ball that can blow up the universe. Yeah, and let me, <laughs> let me hold on. Let me, let's, let's spotlight that for a moment. Um, ever since Khan, and I mean the real Khan, I mean Ricardo Montalban in The Wrath of Khan, Star Trek has been trying to recreate that magic, trying to catch lightning in the bottle again. And I think, guys, you just need to let it the fuck go. You know, go do a story that's bigger or stranger or something that's more space-worthy. You don't have to have a villain bent on revenge each and every movie. 
You want to know my big... Because mm-hmm. that's what, like I'm saying, that's what, uh, you know, nine out of every ten other movies are doing. Yeah. That's, I, that's the thing. Go ahead, Chris. Well, uh, yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. And going back to that, that opening sort of monologue, I, I did I did like... I did like that it gave us some insight into uh, uh, Kirk a little bit. You know, him, you know, hey, we've been out here so long in deep space. What are we doing here? You know, why are we doing this? I I, I did like that um, a whole lot because, you know, the original Kirk, that dude never fucking questioned his mission ever (laughs) that I I can remember anyway. (laughs) Yeah, not too. Not until he was an older man. No, yeah. the only time he questions it in the series is when he's, you know, the no beach to walk on. Is that, isn't that um, when they're all oh, going the, crazy? The naked, the naked time or the naked yeah, now? Yeah, in I the naked remember. time, he kind of goes, yeah. well, but it's more about just the pressures of responsibility than, like, I, I don't want to do this anymore, you know? Right. Yeah, and and so the, the villain thing I thought was a little bit old hat. I would like to see them have, well, I'd like to see them have an adversary or an antagonist that is not one person perhaps mm-hmm. uh something maybe even closer to what they tried to do with the motion picture um or or like look at Star Trek 4 probably one of the best of the series of movies and there's no villain it's a complete like left turn from yeah yeah it, it, somebody said that to me yesterday and that's exactly right like they need, I mean, you can still have a guy look at Khan. Khan's the best villain to kick somebody's ass, you know, in, in the Star Trek universe. But he, they also had that fantastic weapon, which you completely understand builds planets and could also destroy them. So they had not only, I mean, Khan is the most emotional and, and you know, because he's so vengeful, it did bring Star mm. Trek, like, to a war level. Oh, absolutely. Which is, which is nice. My dad liked it, and my dad hated the show. He's like, that wasn't like the show at all, because... The show was always too talky and slow for him, which was budgetary. I mean, I know what you're saying. If they had money, they would have had Kirk, you know, they would have had elaborate fight scenes and things. They just couldn't oh, yeah. do them. But they also had a clear, you know, there were these discussions. I mean, it was a very thought. My, that's why my dad didn't like it. <laughs> he liked right. to see shit blow up. But also, Wrath of Khan, they took all the best things of the series. They had the battle that was like the battle out of... Um, uh, Bell- oh, Balance of Terror, which my favorite episode right there. You had Khan coming back and so single mindedly. Like, I don't care if I step over the crew, my own dead crew to get to Kirk, I'm fucking getting to him. Period. Yeah. And even to the point where you're watching him like you watch all his decisions, you're like, Oh fuck, really? You're gonna do that? Yeah. And it just everything about it was so good. And they've been trying to recreate that ever since. I mean, look at, you know, generations. They tried to have it in there. They've tried to well. They've had an angry, vengeful villain in all three of the reboot movies now. Mm-hmm. I was I was really hoping that they would uh, revisit the Klingon issue, especially since you know Kirk kind of uh, goes to their their home planet. You know, you know all all spec ops and shit, um, or like when the the first time where you see the enemy in this in this film. I honestly, mm-hmm. I was like, "Oh shit, we're about to see the Borg." <laughs> Obviously, it didn't turn out that way, but you know, my initial impression upon first laying eyes on what was about to happen to them was like, "Oh shit, this is awesome! They're about to meet the Borg." 
But yeah. um, <clears throat> I was really hoping for Klingons in this one. Um, and I think yeah, and I don't understand why they don't. Because what does it matter who those people are? That Romulan guy. I mean, Khan was Khan, but he wasn't really. And then this guy is just some guy that's been turned into a thing that I don't realize is Idris Elba until like an hour and a half into the movie. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, and I think they maybe didn't do the Klingons because they tried to take well Paramount put their foot down on the shit that. Uh, uh, Bob Orsi and um, JJ were trying to do or getting ready to do. Matter of fact, they even fired Bob Orsi as director and threw away his script going into this movie. And I bet you they did that to make a clear delineation between part two and part three. They wanted to say, we're going to make something completely different. They had their opportunity to do that with the second one. That was, to me, that was the whole reason why they did the first one like they did. So they could set it up to do new shit. But when you when you start, you know, teasing shit and and getting expectations up in that second film, then you need to follow through in the third one. That's just my opinion on it. Like instead of going and that's what I was trying to say like in my opening fucking shots for this. Like mm-hmm. with with the second movie, I feel like they hit way too close to the original material. Um, especially the way that they set up, set everything up from the first film. But in this one, I just feel like they just went totally the opposite way in the fucking left field. And, and so what I would like to see is a movie in the middle of those two. <laughs> like, right. bring us something somewhat familiar, you know, and, and, and fucking stop, stop fucking around with this franchise. <laughs> also uh, well, as an example of them redoing things and of course you know they, they what they'd lose the enterprise like a half hour in right and it's like kirk's it's like it's in in the great destruction of the enterprise when kirk blows it up as a means of saving them all that's great but the way they lose the Enterprise in this one, it's like Turk's a bad captain. Like that's Cap, that's James T. Kirk. He's not, and also he takes it very well. Very, very. <laughs> you well. know, I'm he like, does, yeah. he'd be beating that chick with a with a phaser in the back of her head if the Enterprise got destroyed. Right. Yeah. Well, oh yeah. And it lost yeah, some. Yeah, it lost yeah. some impact because the Enterprise was basically destroyed at the ends of 2009 and Into Darkness as well. Yeah, and it's, you, and it and it and it's still yeah. the A model. Get the fuck out of here. That's right. <laughs> this is the third Enterprise, uh, and it's still the A model. I don't buy it. Right. Especially because, as we all know, the Enterprise should never be lost unless Kirk does it. Because the Enterprise is the only ship in the whole goddamn Federation that isn't filled with totally incompetent people or lunatics. Those are the only people who come out of the Academy. <laughs> That don't serve on the Enterprise. They're either power mad Trump like figures or they don't know what the fuck they're doing. <laughs> there is that. So <laughs> there is that. So a couple things as far as what you just said, uh what you were just talking about there, uh, Don. Um Yeah, I thought it was really weird that Kirk was not hemming up that fucking alien that he was trying to help. Like way sooner than he did like the whole time i'm like why is he not why are they not even saying anything to her 
They wait yeah. until they get on the fucking planet to even talk about it, really. Um, yeah, and the and the um, and also Kirk doesn't hit on any women in the entire movie. I know. I was waiting for. Uh, I was. I was waiting. Um, and I even said this to my buddy that I was in the film with this morning because we saw it t- this morning. Um, no. I was like, I, I was just like, uh, how come he hasn't tried to fuck Jayla yet? <laughs> oh, I think Scotty was all up into that. Yeah, yeah because because uh, he wrote the movie. I noticed that. Scotty. Yeah, and I was happy about that. And also, yeah. I was really surprised because from the trailers, I expected to really dislike her, and she was actually my favorite part of the movie. Dude, she yeah, was, I think she, she was. I thought she, she was, was pretty strong, actually. She was. She was Ray in Star Trek. They, and, they, and they I, fucking took Ray from Force Awakens and put her in Star Trek as that alien. <laughs> and, and I was expecting, though, I, I mean, I expect I won't be there for the next Star Trek movie, but <laughs> I expect that, and I hope that she's going to replace Chekhov on the on the bridge of the Enterprise. Yeah, that w- that would be that would be kind of perfect, actually. Um, that that did that did kind of suck, knowing watching this film. Knowing that, damn, this is the last movie Chekhov's going to be in because they've already decided they're not going to recast him. Um, they really did not do well, I don't think, with the power of those two losses. Not that they were going to do anything about Chekhov except say oh, it's too bad that he died at the end because he, he's, you know, Chekhov isn't dead. But, but the the death of Spock was sort of like, oh yeah, Spock's dead. And, 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 and I mean, he worried about it a little, but I mean, that's Spock. I mean, Jesus, when Spock died in the Rasta Khan, we were, we were traumatized. Right. They could have, yeah, they could have done more with that, uh, even if it was just through new Spock's eyes and kind of dealing with the loss. But you're right, they, they I, well, when he gets pulled aside by the Vulcans, I think we as a viewing public, we all know what they're talking about, right? I yeah, mean, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then for him just to kind of like, you know, two throwaway lines about it, you're kind of like, ah, oh, well, yeah. I mean, well, at first I, I didn't know because I thought there was some cool plot coming that the Vulcans were filling him in on. Not yeah, just, that's like, what I thought too. I, I I didn't even I didn't even consider that they may um, try to deal with Leonard Nimoy's death in the film that way, which mm-hmm. I don't know, man. I I just thought it was kind of silly that they would even even bother with it. I mean, granted, we all love Leonard Nimoy, but story wise, it, it didn't to me. It didn't make any fucking sense to even mention it, mention that. Well, it. It would if your Spock and another Spock came back through time and quantum realities, and you guys have been talking about uh, you know how to defeat Khan, and then all of a sudden you don't hear from Spock anymore. You know, well, it's cause well that I, that's fair, I guess. Yeah. Um, I, you I don't know. I, I just mm-hmm. thought it was forced and cheesy. To be honest, you know what would have been cool to do with that is, I mean, I realize that the timing of these things don't always work that way, but if you're going to use the death of Leonard Nimoy in the movie, it should be. Spock should have left them a mission. You know, Spock should have been the 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 linchpin of what wherever they went. Instead yeah, of the, that would have been nice. But I I don't know that they had the time to know that, or you know, these movies cost 150 million dollars. So I mean, obviously they know what's going on two years before. You know, they have to. Right. Well, and you got to remember when Leonard Nimoy died, um, they that was still during the Bob Orsi stuff, and he had a script where they were where they said, "Who knows how true this is?" They were trying to get Shatner and Nimoy in for an end scene. Yeah, 
Although I, I did think it was really cool that he pulled out that picture um, at the end there of of the of the original actors. I thought that was really fucking cool. That was cool, it, but it, I mean, the you're way they did with, that. The legacy of that show is so huge, and you're in the midst of it that it's like the movie should be more powerful. Just given those fat, you know, it was cool yeah. to see that picture, but yeah, it's, well. It, one of the problems I've had with these new movies is they try to blend they try to blend the timing of the TV series into the feel of the movie series. Yeah. If that makes any sense, which doesn't really work. I mean, there's a feel to the TV series that's not part of the movies. Yeah. So while it's the same cast and crew, it's very different feels. And I would like to see more I'd like to see more oddball space is really fucking strange, don't you think, episodes in this movie series than we're ever gonna get. Yeah, and just more science fiction, which apparently we're never going to get. Yeah. It's just going to yeah. be people fighting, you know? And if people are going to be fighting, then it's like... I mean, Star Trek, it doesn't even work that well, fighting. I mean, the, it works great in con because the ships are like submarines. Right. But if the ships are not going to fight like submarines... Also, could they, could they just take one more opportunity to put the Enterprise in water? What is with them in water and the Enterprise? It's like I was <laughs> flying around. the same damn thing. <laughs> I did, too. I was like, huh, there we go. We got another starship underwater. That's interesting. Oh, uh, that just reminded me. Both this one and the previous one have really bad, cheesy, funny, weak openings. The, the, the stupid CGI aliens. In, in, in okay. The, can I have to admit it made me laugh in this one? Yes, I did. I liked out, it. I liked it. Because I'm expecting those things to be the size of gorillas, and they come <laughs> down and they're fucking chihuahua sized. Yeah, I, I, no, uh, that I, was. I, it did make me laugh, but it's probably not just the tone that I want to be good. I enjoyed it more than the Raiders of the Lost Ark opening in the last one, which is just JJ Abrams wants to make Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah, I still yeah, haven't seen that fourth Raiders movie. Uh oh yeah no I that, that yeah that yeah, I'm, this I'm movie gonna... and this movie and that would be on on par for, for oh me. wow see okay so but overall I enjoyed this movie I thought it felt I thought the, the characters rang true I mean you know my my bitches against it are always going to be the same ones that you know here we go another big bad guy who's bent on you know destroying the Federation for some personal grievance um. But I, the the scenes of Bones and Spock together, I thought were fantastic. Oh yeah, yeah, and and so since since I am the return to Camp Blood, uh, all we talk about is Friday the Thirteenth. Um, mm-hmm. I, I will make this comparison. Uh, sure. And this is one that we make on our on my show all the time. Kane Hodder, who played Jason in parts seven, eight, nine, and ten, arguably one of the best Jasons. However. He was in the, the the shittiest written movies out of the whole franchise, right. and I sort of I sort of look at these movies like that too. The 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 actors um, who play all the original crew members in these movies are fucking top notch, great. Um, they stay true to their you know to to their original counterparts. I I love the way all of them act. But the movies are just not that great. Like honestly, I, I'm I'm watching this one this morning, and I, I'm fucking bored. Like it, it, even with all the action going on, it was a fucking boring movie to me. Oh, yeah, see, I, I wasn't I wasn't really bored with it because I had to pee for the last forty minutes and I refused to leave. 
if if I'd been bored, I would have left, you know, because um, I left I left Civil War when I had to pee. So you know, that's probably more my age than anything else at that point. <laughs> I, I fell I fell asleep during Civil War. I agree, though. I I agree with the boredom, but I also agree with what you said, and I'm sure we all do that. For me, except for the Spock, who just doesn't isn't quite there. Um, I love I lo- I love the entire cast, um, especially Chekhov is a loss. I mean, I, I know her, 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 you know, her body's not big enough for me to be over. Yeah, she but, needs a little more junk in her trunk, I think. But, but I do like everybody. And I, I wish, and Scotty got to do stuff this time. I wish Scotty would be used less for comedy than he has been. And I'm glad they got that little fucking alien away from him for most of the movie. Because that's like, that little Star Wars alien drives me nuts. Yep. <laughs> and um, now he's got a little buddy. Now Scotty's little buddy has a little buddy. And his name is Kevin, and that made me laugh, too. Well, maybe maybe they're just setting it up to not have him play a big, uh, a, a real big role in the next one. That would be great. <laughs> oh, did you guys know? Hold on. Here's, here's, about- I, I've, I've amassed a whole bunch of uh, Flash Gordon knowledge recently. Scotty's little buddy is the uh, the short the little person that Ornella Muti walks on a leash in Flash Gordon. Yeah, Deep Roy. Uh, he played yeah. he he played the um, Oompa Loompas in the newest um, Willy Wonka. Yeah, I didn't realize he was in Flash Gordon though. I never knew that. Did um, there was something else I was going to ask you guys about Scotty and his his little buddies, but I mm. lost it. I lost. Oh it. damn! Sorry, Don. <laughs> oh, by the way, I'm by the way of all the things I'm offended by. Yeah. I'm really really offended in this franchise. The number one thing is that the form of music that lasts into the 23rd century is rap. Yeah, um, but you know what? I'm glad it's not just classical anymore. That's one of the things that used to irritate me about Star Trek The Next Generation. I'm like, so they lost everything from the 1850s until now, and the only music they have <laughs> yeah. is yeah. 500 years old and older. That used to just irritate the shit out of me. I'm like, you know, well, kind of like you. I'm like, well, fuck, we're Sabbath. How come yeah, we it was, it was, it was Sabbath. Highway Star. If, if, yeah. <laughs> if I was yeah, making the movie, it'd be Highway Star. Imagine the Enterprise flying with Highway Star plane. And I realize that's just a generational thing. And JJ Abrams is going to keep is going to choose, of course, a Jewish rap act to be to be well, surviving yeah. it. But um, <laughs> it, was, it was really yeah, funny. And then, um, and then before the movie, in the trailer, you got no, no, no I was oh. letting you talk. <laughs> oh, oh, because oh, well, you sounds like you were onto something. Yeah, I was just going to say real quick. It was really funny this morning when I was when I was in the theater and Sabotage came on. This little old lady sitting in front of me was just getting the fuck down. <laughs> and it, it was the most <laughs> that was the most entertaining part of this fucking movie. Well, yeah, I was gonna say when did when did that song come out? Like ninety four, like twenty two years ago or something. Yeah, um, yeah, something like that. Yeah, I mean, even some butthead is is the first place I saw it. If that gives you a frame of reference, that's probably the first place I saw it. Also, when I was a kid. Yeah. <laughs> now, to be fair, because of the way they use sabotage in Star Trek two thousand nine, I did like it as an internal self referential point in this movie. For Kirk, Just yeah. Some, yeah, for Kirk, yeah. Um, and I'm glad they didn't go to you know Carl Orff's Carmina Burana or something again. Because again, I'm just so fucking tired of everybody in the 23rd century. It's like, oh, all we do is read Shakespeare and listen to classical music all day long. Although it was really funny that they that they called that music classical music. Well, yeah, it's 400 years old. What else you gonna call it? <laughs> I also I also kind of love that um, that um, 
in the TV show because, of course, like all of these things, and I'm complaining about the rap and she doesn't have a big enough ass, but those are just products, like we said, of the time that we're in. Those are reflections right. of the time that we're in. And the show was like that. I always enjoyed that. Like, they wouldn't know all these things from history, but suddenly they'd go, you know, in the Vietnam War, <laughs> you know, like they know everything about it. They totally remember Vietnam, you yeah. know, which would be a complete footnote in history. Oh, yeah. Well, and they, you know, to be fair, they'd say like a brush, a brush war in Southeast Asia or something. Yes, I don't yes. think they ever mentioned it by name, but yeah, Star Trek was very much a yeah. without World War II and without Vietnam, Star Trek wouldn't have had a whole lot to talk about, you know, because they did reference things from those. But very like, off. and like you were saying earlier, it's obviously that's when you when you're commenting. I think you kind of have to do that. It's just they movies don't tend to not comment on anything anymore and if they do they're very just sort of species yes you know well, like we're a crew and you know we'll get together as a crew i'm like yeah we, we know but yeah so the whole movie the, the great moral lesson you're teaching us is teamwork that's as yeah that's as forward thinking as you're going to get in this yeah and, and, and again that that's yeah. the that's the huge fucking problem i have with these new ones it's like they they tried to touch on it a little bit in the last well I guess not even a little bit it was a main focus of the of the film but um, that that just it just seemed it just always seemed to me that there was something missing yeah and it, and it so it's it's the commenting on current events and shit like that um, especially when you go back and watch a you know more modern sci-fi series like uh, Battlestar Galactica and I. I fucking talk about Battlestar all the time because it's one of my favorite series ever. It's um, a the new one, the new one. That show did a fucking fantastic job commenting on current events while wrapping it up nicely in the storyline. And I, I don't understand why why we can't have that in Star Trek. Well, that <laughs> the thing that Battlestar had, which was great, and it was indeed a reboot where they made it into something. Well, they actually made it into something much better than it ever was. But what they did—they oh, had a yep. completely different identity, which is they were like the nine eleven of science fiction shows. Yes, you know, and that idea, and a, and a very military show, which Star Trek. You know, they say we are not a military organization, but then they just blow shit up the whole movie. You know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that's because, but that's because you had to keep. Look, 1980s Gene uh, Roddenberry was very different than 1960s Gene Roddenberry. Yeah, I was kind of he, glad they phased him out. Like, that's the thing. I love Gene Roddenberry. The, the, the original mm-hmm. series is the only Star Trek I watch. Um, and and then the movies. And in the movies, of course, I love Harv Bennett. Yes. You know, because he, he, he turned it and unfortunately sort of launched the whole we're going to make sequels of everything now era, you know, by having those Star Treks make money. Right. Um, well, did you guys see the, uh, the the news from San Diego Comic Con today? What happened? They've named the new Star Trek series. Yeah, Discovery. Yeah, Star Trek Discovery, and um, I I don't know how I feel about it. They're going with that Ralph McQuarrie designed starship, the one that looks like a uh, star destroyer with nacelles and a saucer section on it. Yeah. So, um, I, um, Brian Fuller is. I mean, I'll I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. Um, but that ship design, man, I don't, I don't know if I'm on board. I think it yeah. looks pretty cool. 
I mean, I can accept whatever ship they use as long as they tell interesting stories. So I'm not that. Mm-hmm. I know. I know what you're saying though, because it's well. Look at our beloved Enterprise. They they tr- throw it out like a tin can every two movies now. Yeah. You know. I mean, that's the Enterprise. Yeah. The Enterprise is more important to me than Sulu and Chekhov. You know, as a character. Well, and and definitely for the animated series. <laughs> yes. I mean, what, what's pissing me off about the 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 Enterprise in these movies? It gets destroyed every film. It it obviously doesn't look exactly the same every movie, but it always carries the the A model. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, it didn't have an A on it in the yeah, first two movies. Uh, well, I, I don't remember if it did or not, but I, I definitely, no, it, it didn't. I definitely recognize that from this one. It definitely had it on there. This one. So well, okay, if if, they, if it, if it wasn't if it wasn't yeah. if it wasn't carrying the A in the last two, then I I, I will quit bitching about it. Then. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, the A is only on the one they build at the end of this movie. Another another thing about the ship that I wanted to mention way earlier when Don was way back now. Um, was about the at the point at which Kirk decided to separate the saucer. Like, I kind of figured that it was going that route. Um, but why the fuck did he wait so long to to do the separation? I I, I don't even understand that. Um. Okay. So they didn't have time to move the people from the uh, engineering section to the saucer. And that's why he didn't separate it. I'm just guessing. I'm meeting him more than halfway here. Yeah, I um, guess. And, so. then, I guess and then once it was, and when, then once it was sliced up, he did it because the, the people in the engineering section were lost no matter what at that point. I mean, that's the whole point of this, though, is if this was 1982 and we were, and I don't think it's because we were young then. And that I mean, I think Rathacon is a much better film than these films are. Yes. Um, I mean, if I can get my dad on board, <laughs> you know, it must have done something right. And it's hard, obviously, because those those later Star Trek, all those movies are basically like uh, unforgiven in that these are the guys who were those guys. So that's what you're reacting to. And even with Kirk, I mean, kudos to, to Chris Pine, because you do. He's very likable. He's, yes. he's also a beautiful man, which I don't say very often. But um, <laughs> he... He does well within it, even though basically the power of that character is from from the whole other guy. You know, it's so when you were watching Wrath of Khan and even the whale ones, you were so familiar with those people, and they were I, literally iconic. You yes. know, so they could anything they did. It's like wow, it's a new thing that they're doing. But you know, you're like I'm not even really sure. So so the exchanges are cool. There's some character stuff. It's funny, like you said, with Kirk and Kirk uh, with Bones and, and Spock, and um, even all of them got little good bits. It's just that I wish there were fantastic moments where instead of analyzing what went wrong, we were going, I love the part where they, I love the part where, you know, we, like I really couldn't say there's a part I loved in okay. the entire movie. Here's something that I loved about the film. Mm-hmm. Their uniforms. I did like the new uniforms even 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 the fucking... Even even the blue jean jacket looking fucking thing oh, they were that cool. they were wearing on the planet. Like I, I'm sitting there telling my buddy, like I need one of those jackets. <laughs> I was thinking yeah. that too. They looked very functional and good for running around on the surfaces and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I like the new uniforms in general. The the first two movies, the uniforms they had in there looked like space pajamas to me. Yeah. I um, I, this... I like the way that they looked, and I, I wish they'd have kept that same pattern for the normal. 
uh, uniforms they wore on the ship. Um, mm-hmm. But but overall, yeah, I, I really I really like the the uniforms, all of them, pretty much. Like, yeah, all of them. Yeah, so this one, it kind of this particular uniform to me looked like the original series, obviously, but also with some next generation touches in there as well. Yeah, you know the the higher collar, the more structured shoulders. You know, whereas the pr- the first two movies, well, I don't mind those costumes, but they are very loose, very baggy, and they just kind of sit. You know, there's no structure to them. Or anything. It's weird to me that Kirk answers his 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 communicator on the ship. Yeah, when they call him up, he's supposed to go to the wall and hit the button. They do do the little noise. They do the little noise at one point. They they talk on the intercom, but it's like a cell phone. I'm like, is is he really? Hey, this is Kirk. I'm in my you know like right. That kind of weirded me out. Um, yeah, and there's a part of me that wishes since they've rebooted the 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 universe, basically. Go ahead and update their technology so we're not constantly aping what the 60s thought the future would be like. Well, because, I, you know, I'm not, <laughs> as, as you know, I am not a fan of Next Generation in any way, shape, or form. But I right. did like that they, they would tap their insignias and talk. Because basically cops almost have that now. <laughs> yes. And that, that was really cool because that's what bothers me about the communicator, particularly on the ship, is, is Kirk supposed to carry that fucking thing around? Yeah, well, we've almost gotten rid of that now with our cell phones. And you know, well, here's the thing: so the dickhead sitting next to me in the theater had his yeah, his phone might have been off, but his fucking smartwatch was on. And so I'm sitting there, and this dickhead's fucking phone or wrist piece keeps lighting up during the fucking movie. Oh, that's what that's what they should have had instead of communicators well, having some f- damn smartwatches. <laughs> yeah, how about but how about Star Trek the Motion Picture? That's what they had. Yeah, pretty yeah. much. I guess it's been a while since I saw that one, but yeah, yeah, that's that because Chris, that that movie's not very good. No, no, no it's it's terrible. I I yeah. I don't think I've ever sat through it in one sitting ever. It's 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 a pretty hard watch. It's it's, a pretty it's, hard it's watch. long, and I will have to say that at least this film is more entertaining than the original the Star Trek the motion picture. Yeah, <laughs> I would go. I would go along with that. Um, yeah, I just. <laughs> well, if I'm gonna watch a boring sci-fi piece, you know, what I'm gonna watch 2001. Yeah, the, it's, you know? it's the greatest boring movie ever made, and he is, exactly. as I've said many times, Stanley Kubrick is the greatest boring filmmaker. He is, in fact, probably one of the only great boring filmmakers I can think of. The only one I can think of, because I know a lot of his movies lose me partway through, but I can't look away. I can't stop watching, but I do want to take a nap. <laughs> <laughs> but so I don't know. So this may be my farewell to, to Star Trek. I mean, I guess I watched the pilot of that show, but man, I remember watching the pilot of the Next Generation too. I am going to watch anything that they attach the name Star Trek to. That's just the kind of fan that I am. Just like Friday the Thirteenth, no matter how shitty the thing is, I will watch it. And it's the same thing with Star Trek. It's the well, I, I hesitate. It's the same thing with Star Wars because I didn't really watch the prequel movies. Um, but yes, anything that they attach Star Trek to, I will watch it. Well, I'm definitely going to give this this new series its its fair shake out. Um, it's going to be. They've already said it's going to be 13 episodes, and it's going to be one 13 chapter story. That's cool. Which I'm 
I'm I, really excited to see them do that with Star Trek. I, I was really hoping. I was really hoping to see, and I, I get it. All the people in these films are are decently big movie stars, especially now. But I would have loved to have seen them do a TV series with the same uh, actors they have in the movies. Yeah, I'd like to see them do something more television series-ish with it. Um, I think Star Trek works better on TV anyways. Yeah, yeah. I agree. I definitely agree with that. Yeah. Um, not only that, here's the thing. So, like, Star Trek, the motion picture, had this huge budget, and it went way over budget and ran long. And we all know the stories. They even shipped the film wet in the containers. Yes. Um, and then they, they turned around and went, well, fuck it, we'll make a second movie, and it'll be a, a TV movie of the week. Yeah. And it'll have a budget for about $1,285. And Harv Bennett came from TV and knew, knew how to work those dollars. Yep. And he took every one of those fucking dollars they gave him, and he made cinematic or cinematic magic with each and every one of those dollars. Yeah. So sometimes having that TV budget instead of that motion picture budget works in the advantage of the filmmaker. Don, how big, I mean, you did a movie on, what, 35 grand? Uh, yeah, I did one for 35, one for 37, and one for about 82. Yeah. Did you find having the small, the smaller budgets influenced you artistically because you had to fucking get it done? There was no going and getting another Well, yeah, particularly in the, realm of, in the realm of horror aesthetically. I mean, if you look at horror movies, 90% of the great horror movies of all time are low budget movies because those, yes. those just, I mean, there's obvious, you know, examples of, you know, like the thing, but, but also, I mean, it's kind of like the twilight zone. I, I make this joke all the time. Every time they reboot the twilight zone, they shoot these episodes and they go to like five locations. I'm like, that's not the twilight zone. You got to stay in one place. <laughs> and, um, yeah. So I think, I think you're definitely right. That helped Rathcon and it probably will help, um, this next show. I, I just wish, yeah. You know, there's a thing about the new Star Treks where they're very, like, sort of comfortable in the ship and in space, and it, there's no feeling of, like, the awe of space. That is one thing I miss from the original Star Trek. Space was awesome and weird. And, and I mean, it and, was, yeah, but it was also just weird. Like, you know, the stuff they ran into, you're just like, well, that's weird, you know? Yeah. So Harry Mudd has an army full of sexy women that he has to drug to keep them sexy. Yeah, and you're like, yeah, like Abe Lincoln sitting in a chair, you know? And it's yeah. like, what the... And <laughs> you just wish there were some ideas like that. I mean, there's not a lot of ideas like that in anything anymore, it seems like. I'm trying to think of a science fiction movie where I went, wow, in, a, in, in years, but... Yeah, I'll have to look because, like you're right, there really is no heady, thoughtful sci-fi anymore. That's because it, that's because of the way that our culture is now. You know. Yeah. I mean, just just think about how we are used to getting uh, any kind of input. We're used to getting bite-sized, um, you know, posts from Facebook or fucking Twitter or sound bites from the news. Yeah. So you're not gonna. I don't think, at least for now, you're gonna see anything that'll get a really big budget like a Star Trek movie or even a Star Wars movie that's going to be that heady. Um, and also, I think that TV, like we're talking about, that's the reason why TV, a lot of TV is better than feature films now, is because on a movie that costs $150 million, there's no way anymore that one person is going to be able to, to, to absolutely cast their vision on, a, on a, something of that size. They're not going to do that. Right. And TV, 
TV's all showrunners now. Showrunners are more important than than the directors in in, tev- in TV land, and um, that's why you know Breaking Bad is better than Nine Fifty. I was going to say the other thing that's going away, along with thoughtful science fiction, is there's almost no well, almost the R rating is going away, you know, but there's almost no serious cop films. You know, hmm. you get like one every like four years now. There's a whole spat in the early 2000s, but you're right. Since then, there's been maybe one or two years. <laughs> well, given given the uh, not to go off on a on a rant about this, but given the current state of uh, policing, um, I don't know how you would how you would do a movie uh, right now. Given well, I mean the thing is, of course, you're always going to feel that way about the, <laughs> the about the the stormtroopers. But I mean, like police detectives. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, given like the, L.A. Confidential or something. <laughs> given the current state of law enforcement in, in in the United States, I don't know how you would. I, I don't know how you would do it, especially given all the stuff going on with Black Lives Matter and all this shit. Like I, that is not something. If I were, if I were, uh, had anything to do with film, that is not some shit I'd be willing to touch right now. Like even if it, even if it didn't, even if it didn't touch on those issues, um, I still think maybe that's why you're not seeing as much right now. Well, I think it's more you're just not seeing serious anything in movies. Well, I mean that, but that that's not that that's not true though. I mean, you know. Um, TV shows have more venues to get put out. Like they're not necessarily tied to huge networks anymore. Like they can go to Netflix or that you can go to Hulu or you know just the, the whole internet fucking um, the way we consume most media, media right now um, is very conducive to TV shows. Yeah. Very conducive to episodic content, um, and so that's why I think. The TV uh, shows are getting better because you're not you don't have that sh- such a short leash with TV right now. Yeah, especially well, like in theaters. I, like I seriously, when I go look for a movie, I have to avoid half the movies in theaters have like a penguin singing in them. You know, it's like an animated penguin singing, and then well, and yeah, then Marvel is the other half. So it's like if a good if a movie comes out like as an example the Matthew McConaughey Civil War movie, um, people are ripping on that movie. That movie's really good, and but you have to see it in the week it's out because it's on Am- <laughs> it's on Amazon like a week later, and then you're going right. well why should I pay seventeen dollars? It's on Amazon. It well like it was on Amazon before I was aware that the movie existed. Let me let me tell you guys a little something here real quick. Um, I've had a lot of very small movie makers on here recently. I mean, Don, you included, even. Yeah. Um, but I just had in in a week. I had oh, I'm gonna forget his name. Corbin Selican, who did a movie called Patterson's Wager. The guy wrote it, directed it, edited it, and funded it himself. And I believe he may have even catered it himself. <laughs> um. But it is it is two stories that are so beautifully told and it is so beautifully shot. But nobody would have nobody's going to take a risk on that movie these days. You're right; it's on a Marvel movie. It's not this, that, and the other. The other one is, um, and Don, you should check check out some of their other work. There's uh, a, a series being done called Star Trek Continues, and they're basically making Star Trek season four. Yeah, and the guy that plays Doctor McCoy on there did a movie two years ago called Arbor Day the Musical. And it's a mockumentary about trying to make a 9-11 musical. 
Oh, interesting. It, it is. It's available on Amazon. If you have uh, Amazon Prime, go check it out. I, I suggest both of those movies, uh, Patterson's Wager and Arbor Day the Musical. Beautifully shot, well made, very small budget, but good luck getting a studio to give somebody money to go make those movies. No, but yeah, and, and, that, uh, you need actors. You need a known, existing name actor to get any money from anybody. You're right. Yeah, and but and, actually, but and, okay. and that that's just you know just to piggyback off what I was saying before. That's what's beautiful about the time that we live in right now. I mean, because you know, ten, fifteen years ago, you wouldn't you wouldn't hear anything about some small fucking filmmaker doing anything that was even fucking worth your time, or at least perceived not worth your time. Um, it, and 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 it's the same it's the same way across pretty much all digital media you know from music to movies tv shows like there is so there's just so many opportunities now for um directors writers you know artists in general to get their fucking ideas across and out to a wide audience um it just I'm, be nice I'm, if you I'm, could monetize that <laughs> <laughs> well, fair enough. We're we're all cheap bastards, and we don't like paying for shit. Um, but it would be nice to see that that kind of that kind of um, love for the art to carry over into major major motion picture um, making. Yes, or just one little corner of it, you know, like yeah. just, like one of the seventeen theaters in the multiplex, you know. Well, and that's the other thing too is that. Um, you have film production companies now own the screens that they're played on. Yeah. Good luck getting anything shown by, you know, John and Mary filmmaker from, uh, you know, Wichita. Yeah. If, <laughs> yeah. You know, if, if Disney owns the theater that the movies are playing in. Those are where those penguins are going to be singing. Exactly. Hey, guys, well, shit, we, we filled that hour up pretty quick. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I'm, if I'm it was so, a movie that I liked. I know. I, I, know I'm, I was just about to say I'm sorry. I didn't have uh, many good things to say about it. I mean, may, maybe maybe if I go back and watch it a time or two again, it'll grow on me. Because honestly, the first time I watched the first reboot movie, I was like, "Fuck this thing." <laughs> that's, my, that's how my little brother reacted too. He's, he, I, I think he actually dropped his popcorn on the floor and went, "I'm out. Fuck this," and walked. You know. I'll say this, the movie really depressed me, and I was sitting there watching it, and as I am wont to do, even when I'm sober, I was thinking, you know, it's just, I think I'm past the time. I'm, 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 the world is not for me anymore. This is literally what I'm thinking during the Star Trek Beyond. You know, maybe it's just all over, and I just got to sort of wind down and give it up and just sort of live nostalgically in the past. And I got really depressed for a minute, but then I went, wait a minute, Twin Peaks is coming back. So, oh yeah, there you so go. I immediately jumped to that, and obviously I have much more faith in in David Lynch rebooting Twin Peaks than in Justin Lin, you know, making a Star Trek movie. But um, but anyway, so there was immediate hope again. Well, there you go. It's it's not all doom and gloom. Yeah. So my takeaway is I I like the movie. I'm not going to let you guys ruin my day. <laughs> <laughs> Um, you know what, guys, what might be fun, and Chris, maybe we, we should talk about this some other time, but if we can figure out a way to live podcast while we watch The Wrath of Khan, that might be fun. Oh, that'd be cool with any movie that we're all sort of digging. That would be very yeah. fun. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I figured out a way to do it when all the people that I'm talking to are in the same location as me. Um, mm -hmm. we'll talk about this offline, um, yeah, in, yeah, in the next gotcha. couple of days. I'll look around, but yeah, I, I wouldn't mind doing that. Um, actually, I wouldn't mind doing that for my own show. So that's yeah. definitely something I'd be interested in. That sure. would be a lot of fun, I, I, especially you know three people that you know that far away from each other able to get together and go, hey, check it out. Yeah. Ricardo Mazapan does a lot of push-ups. Yeah, that'd be really yeah. cool. And um, yeah, and I just I do I apologize as well. I wish that I was more invested in in attacking Star Trek Beyond. It's a bad sign that I didn't like come up with you know like write down a list of points to have. But I was sort right. of, I'm sort of so bummed about it that I didn't have much to say but but we did okay i guess yeah no we did fine we, we got a we got a full hour out of this <laughs> right on all right so uh chris if people want to find you on the interwebs where can they look for you at yeah campbloodpodcast.com is my um, main project right now don you got any projects or anything you want to throw out there or uh, let anybody know that you're going to a cool, cool concert i got something super cool coming but it's still you know 50 50 in the air but if it goes down it'll be the best thing i've ever been involved with Oh, awesome! Well, if you yeah, let me know because we'll we'll talk about that sometime too. Right on, right on. All right, guys. Well, in the meantime, you can get us at geekishcast dot com or on Facebook at facebook dot com slash geekishcast, and I tweet from at the geekishcast. So long, everybody. Thanks a lot. Lucky Land Casino asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.